0: Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter seven. I'm gonna preach one of the most convicting, boring sermons. I'm serious. My job is to not make you shout in this message, but I do believe that this may be a pivotal moment in your life as a believer, and you say that sermon was the one. Now, now preachers, they know how to make people shout. Matter of fact, and if, if you're a young preacher, I'm gonna give you a freebie. If you, here's a scripture that'll make anybody shout, even if they're Lutheran. No weapon formed against you. (laughs) When he lifts up, he'll lift up a standard. You know, there's things you can do or say that'll trigger a response from people that'll play on people's emotions, but I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, what do you have for your people? What do you want them to know? And I've got this word for you today and I believe it's gonna change your life, but can you forgive me in advance for not tickling your fancy? Okay, somebody said preach. Thank you. Um, How many of you believe that we have to get better at hosting the Holy Spirit? Okay, okay. Now, I want to talk about what, what does that mean, because I know that we, we are in a Catholic region. I know that I have offended many Catholic people in the last couple of weeks um, by speaking about Catholicism and teaching about that online. And I don't apologize uh, for teaching about it, because as a pastor, it's my responsibility to pastor and to teach the Bible. The Bible says, how do they know unless the teacher is sent? And so I know it's offensive because if you come from Catholicism, you know, you might have experienced a V1 service and you're like, I feel like everything we did was, was wrong. And I feel like really good, but a little guilty at the same time. Anybody in recovery know what I'm talking about? You're like, I feel so good, but I ain't telling my family what I did. That's what it feels like here on Long Island to to go to V1 Church for many people is they love it, but they're ashamed of it because it's not Catholicism. I'm just talking real talk. Um, You know, in Northwest Indiana, you have a lot of Pentecostal charismatic churches and, you know, it's just we deal with different things in different contexts. And I wanna talk about hosting the Holy Spirit because a lot of times where we come from is there's the holy man and the holy man comes in, and he says the right thing, and he does the right thing, and, and, and I can't get into the presence of God, but he knows how to get us into the presence of God. I don't know how to host the Holy Spirit, but he knows how to create this atmosphere, and we've raised up these figures in the evangelical American Christian church that are holy men and they know how to do things. And if you come from Catholicism, it's like there is this division between you and the priests. And it was like, they've made a vow of poverty. They've made a vow of chastity. Um, the, the nuns, they, you know the, the nuns, there's them and there's us. It, it was, and we're not the same. And they know God in a way I can't know God. And um, they talk to God, on, you know, kind of like on my behalf because I'm not good at prayer. And um, they tell me what the Bible means and I don't really read it because I don't think I'd understand it. Like that's sort of what it means for a lot of people to be a Christian. Can I get an amen? Amen. Did I speak into something? Like, you all expect me to pray these eloquent, powerful prayers, but if I called all of you up individually and said, now it's your turn, you'd be like, oh no. Even if you've been going to church your whole life. And so because what's happened is we built these structures and a lot of egotistical, narcissistic, prideful leaders love when you make them the holy man because it feeds them. So the people like raising up holy men because it puts the burden on them. And it's easier to like, hey, you figure out how to make this thing, the atmosphere shift. You figure out how to bring in the miraculous. And then so the people like to do that. They like to put people in that position. And then the people in that position like to be in that position because it feeds their broken, small, childlike ego. Am I speaking into something? So the leaders like to be elevated, and the people like to, the, to put the burden on the leader. The problem with that is it's the complete opposite of what Jesus instituted. Jesus actually said, oh, no, no, like, pray with me, our Father who art in heaven. And we're so religious that we take that and make that into a religious prayer, even though it was an example, not a recipe, I'm going to get this root out. It was like he was giving us a type of prayer, not one we should just repeat. But we all, but it's easier to turn it into a ritual because it's easier to say our father than to learn how to treat him like a father. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? So I want you to read Matthew chapter seven, verse 12 and 14 with me. And it says this, enter but you got to enter by the narrow, the narrow little gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go on that broad road. It's, it's a big road. It's easy. It's like a 17 lane highway. Everybody can go as fast as they want because narrow is the gate and difficult. Everybody say difficult. Difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few, everybody say few. Few who find it. Okay, wait, what? See, we in the American church have made finding life easy. Just say this prayer, confess Jesus as your savior, and you'll have eternal life. But the Bible doesn't say it's easy. It says it's difficult. Our churches keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but but it says that this narrow road, it's only few will really walk it and find it. So there's this mismatch in our generation between what we do that we call Christianity and what it actually was while it was being birthed in the earth. And so here's the thing I'm about to tell you. Last week, we had two medically verifiable miracles happen across two of our three campuses. That's amazing. Two medically verifiable miracles. Now, I wanna tell you the bad news. The bad news is, If you think that your friends are finally gonna receive Jesus because they saw a miracle, you're wrong. Jesus actually said, you perverse generation who seeks a sign you still don't believe. Because a miracle's not enough. Because it's the lens through which you view the miracle that determines whether or not it proves Christ's existence or it proves your skepticism. Now, the, the children, two, two, two children of the women that were healed last Sunday reached out to us to thank us for what it happened in service. But it's not enough to prove the existence of God even by the miraculous. Some will say it's placebo. Some will say it's psychosomatic. Some will say it's temporary and it'll come back. Whatever they say, and yet others will say it's proof in Jesus. Here's the question, who's right? because there's this narrow road. There's this difficult path. You know, and as I talk about this, see how quiet it got? I knew it was gonna be quiet. Nobody's clapping for me and shouting. and I didn't say that to solicit it because I don't care. But I'm afraid that there's too many pastors that preach for the applause. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of pastors who aren't gonna make it to heaven. And they're gonna say, but I cast demons out in your name. I was a demon slayer, but I, but I saw medically verifiable miracles, uh, but I preached faithfully every week and it took me hours to prepare the message and I met them at the hospital and I loaded in and loaded out and I went to every connect group and I tithed every week and Jesus is gonna say, depart from me for I never knew you. So how many of you wanna learn how to host the Holy Spirit to say, I know you and you know me? I, oh, come on. Isn't it interesting that he says, I don't know you. You know of me, but I don't know you. Why? Because there is no blessing on the counterfeit you. There's no blessing on the you that prays in, in Elizabethan English. Thou father, thee who blesses me, though thee be in thou... There's no blessing on that version of you. And he'll say, but I never knew you. I, I, I knew, I, I, everybody else knew the true you, but there was a lack of intimacy. And so you have to depart from me because you knew everything about me, but I don't know anything about you. And so when we talk about hosting the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about hosting a Bible study. We love hosting Bible studies, because the most prideful people in the room can flex their biblical knowledge. We love hosting. I'm not talking about hosting a worship night, because then we the best musicians get scheduled for that, not the B-list team, the A-list, and we get to flex our musicianship. I'm not talking about hosting connect groups. I'm not talking about hosting church services where we brew you coffee and try to get you hyped up on caffeine and convince you it might be the Holy Ghost. Because there's gonna be people who get caught up in all this. And they, they know all about him, but he can't say he knows you. And I, 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 I have been obsessing over this sermon for two months. And let me tell you how it happened. And I'm gonna give you an acronym for host, H-O-S-T. Don't put it up yet. They did it. Take it down. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> Don't do it. I know they're trigger happy back there. They're like, we're here to serve the general. <laughs> God, Don't do it yet, because people will take notes and not listen. Two months ago, I was in my living room. I, now, how many of you, if you've ever had kids, you know your only peace you have in your day is to wake up before your family. All the young people, all the single people, they can't figure out why we wake up early. It's because we will lose our ever-loving mind. <laughs> If we don't wake up, like, we're not early birds. We're, we're depressed. We're tired. We're angry. We're not an early bird. Well, I just want my peace. <laughs> and we don't even like coffee. <laughs> we like not killing y'all. And so I wake up early before my family. And, you know, like Everly, definitely got in the bed at two in the morning and snuggled daddy all night. That sounds cute to those of you who are like, "Oh, I want kids one day. I'll send Everly to your house." Okay, and so, and so, all of a sudden, I wake up early every day, and there's a window, and I pray at this window for an hour. I mean, it's like I just go in, I pray, 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 pray. That's how I start my day, just at this window. So, two months ago, I'm praying in front of this window, and all of a sudden, these two doves just like, I watched them fly over and they just land right in front of me. And it was one of the most beautiful things. And immediately I was like, wow, this is powerful. Now, if this is New York City. I live in Queens, right? Now, if it was two pigeons, I'd be like, no, that's demonic. Those are flying rats. This ain't from the Lord. I'm like, you messenger of Satan. I rebuke you, you spirit of, that's Ahab and Jezebel. (laughs) <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Say you're charismatic without saying you're charismatic. <laughs> but it was two doves, two doves. Now, you're all thinking white doves. But biblically, if you studied the Old Covenant, actually it was turtle doves that were sacrificed in the sacrificial system. And I kid you not, I, I have a picture of them. It's, it was two turtle doves. And it was just such a powerful moment and I was like, Lord, what does this mean? It's got to mean something. You know, you know charismatics are always trying to figure out whatever. You, you get your new license plate. You're like, okay, God, show me. Show me what it means. He's like, oh, nothing. They just printed it at the prison. It means go serve in the prison ministry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pentecost has always been making everything up. And the Lord's like, come on, y'all. Just actually read your Bible. That's a whole nother thing. But, but I did feel... Like these two doves meant something. I I did feel like there was a significance to it. And I'm meditating. I'm like, Lord, I know this is hokey, but is it something? And that's what started this journey of how do I host the Holy Spirit? Because I went to go take a picture of these two doves and like even the action of me going to grab my phone and coming back and just them seeing that movement, they both flew away. And it kind of gave me an insight into when you host the Holy Spirit, like, is it possible that he still dwells inside of you, but his manifest presence turns away from you? And I want to show you something I have in scripture because I want to host the Holy Spirit. I don't want people to be like, Mike was so good at church. Mike was so good at Bible studies. Mike was so good at speaking in tongues. Mike was so good at prophecy. But the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, but son, you never got good at hosting me. I don't want that to be my legacy. I want people to say, man, he carries something. Matter of fact, I want to skip ahead because once I start rolling, I ain't stopping. I was thinking about Acts chapter five, verse 15. It talks about when Peter walked the streets and his shadow, somebody was healed. Now I want to give you a revelation about that though. So in Acts chapter five, verse 15, when it says his shadow passed over people and they were lying sick and they would recover, when I looked at the original Greek for shadow, it's not like literal. Everybody always interprets that scripture as a physical shadow. Like the sun is shining and then the shadow is on the floor. You all hear me? The original Greek is not that kind of shadow. It literally meant the presence of God that he carried was like a shadow that people could feel and it manifested God's glory into their physical body. So when, I, when, when you talk about your, your, your shadow heals somebody, it's like I carry the presence of God in such a manifest, tangible way that it, it's, it's almost as if it cast a shadow on the people I'm walking by. I knew that I, something was happening in my own, man, I'm, I'm provoking somebody to holy jealousy. I feel the anointing right now. For the last two months, I've been like, I wanna host you. Holy Spirit, I wanna host you. I wanna host your presence. And I've been praying this, praying this, praying this. I never will bring a sermon to our church that I don't walk it out first, even if it's 10 minutes before I preach it. Sorry, God, sorry, sorry, God. And the Lord says. But I was like spending the last two months trying to host the Holy Spirit and get better at that. And it was funny because I had a good friend. He's a pastor of a multi-site church in Florida. He was like, man, I've known you for two years, but... He's like in the last couple of weeks he's like your voice I can hear. He's like it's like I can feel the presence of God and you're just talking about Facebook. And he was like something's different and I started getting those kinds of people were saying that and I kept thinking about Acts chapter 5 verse 15 and it says Peter's shadow but it wasn't a physical shadow. It was the presence of God that he carried in his life. It was tangible and that has nothing to do with being a pastor. That's about being a son. It's about being a believer. Okay. Okay. Can we jump in? Two miracles happened last week and um, it was amazing, but I believe it was the result of hosting the Holy Spirit. It's the stamp of approval for an apostolic ministry, which just simply means we set up infrastructure around the world for the kingdom to come. And we build up leaders that administrate discipleship. And it was like Something so powerful happened last week when that woman came. You know, Pastor Daniel Santis actually brought that woman to me Easter. And Easter Sunday, she was not healed. And we went on to the next service. But Pastor Daniel put a demand on her faith and said, but would you come back next week and try again? Can we pray for you again? Then I was watching A.A. Allen clips. And you probably don't know who he is, but A.A. Allen is a legendary man of God who was a white pastor who broke down racial barriers and partnered with African-Americans in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, did these massive healing revivals where um, he would receive death threats by the thousands for work for integrating uh, whites and blacks in America. He was, And so A.A. Allen has always been a hero of mine because I believe that I'm to pastor a diverse church that looks like heaven. Um, and, but the thing about A.A. Allen is that as he began to get more confrontation from people, he got more confirmation from God. So comp- confrontation is always met with confirmation. It's like, hey, I called you to be king, David. So you're, you got five smooth stones from the brook, but you're only going to have to use one because I'm going to confirm you're going to be the king. You get what I'm trying to say? And so sometimes in the V1 world, I can feel this demonic accusation. I can feel people start cr- uh, criticizing, complaining, murmuring. How many of you know the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren? And so sometimes you're talking to people and they're like, well, I'm just bringing a complaint. No, you're accusing. There's a difference. It's and because God's trying to take us up to the next level. And I was dealing with all this in my spirit and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And I felt like those medically verifiable miracles last week was a confirmation of what the Lord's doing in our house. Like, I'm with you. And it was just such a powerful reminder. Like when you host the Holy Spirit, you might offend 50 people, but you might see somebody get healed and know, there's no other way they're getting healed. And the kingdom looks like, like confrontation and then divine confirmation back to back to back. It looks like that. I wanna give you this acronym now to show you uh, how to host the Holy Spirit. And this is what I've learned over the last two months. Okay, you guys can put it up now, I scared (laughs) him. It's an acronym, H is for holiness. The O is for overflowing grace. The S is for sanctified environments. And the T is for teachable. The way that you host the Holy Spirit is not by putting on a collar, It's not by burning incense. The way that you host the Holy Spirit is not by, you know, I'm never gonna wear makeup and I'm gonna wear skirts all the way down to my ankles and never show cleavage. The the way you host the Holy Spirit is not, I'm gonna cancel my Netflix subscription and throw my TV away. That's what we were taught. That's what holiness was according to religion. But the way that you host the Holy Spirit is true holiness, overflowing grace, sanctified environments, and being teachable. Now, I want to encourage you. Holiness is not anything that's obtained through human effort. Holiness is not perfection. Holiness is when you, as a child, get into your daddy, your heavenly father's lap, and you learn the ways of your motherland. How many of you have ever taken a DNA test, and you're like, wow, I didn't know I was 40% Irish? And, and, and you start to think about, you know, I remember getting mine back and I saw the percentage of North African and I'm like, what the what? And they, you start looking at cultures and you're like, man, genetically what's in me, when you become a believer, you learn the secret of your origin is that you've been born again and that this place called heaven is actually where you're from now. And even though your flesh is Irish or Italian or Colombian or Dominican or a combination of all the above, spiritually you've been born again and your DNA is telling you that, that God is the Father, but there's a way that your family does life that you don't do life like that. Does this make sense to anybody? Am I, I, I think you're quiet because you're learning. But it's just like if I were to say, hey, you're gonna go move to Italy because that's your DNA. Well, guess what? I took two years of Italian in college and I don't remember hardly any of it. And so if I were to move my family, the Signorelli family to Italy, we would be foreigners there and we would offend people. We would say the wrong things because it's because we're Americans, right? And we're better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, that's, that's the real American mindset. But it's like we have, this, we have this idea of like what it means, what food we eat, you know? And so there's this culture of heaven. So holiness, the real way I want to teach it to our church across every campus, holiness is not the external. It's the internal culture producing external choices. Oh, See, if my culture, if I'm Italian and I, I lo- let's say I, I live off the coast in Italy, I love seafood, but I love it in my mind, which makes me go out and seek it in physical reality. And so what happens internally produces the culture externally. And the, what we tried to do with holiness is just give people lists. Wear this, do this, this is all. No, holiness is the atmosphere of your spirit changing as the Holy Spirit inhabits it. And from the inside, he's working on the inside of you and rearranging things. And you say, wow, it's not that it's wrong to drink. It's that I come from multi-generational alcoholism and I don't have a desire to drink. And I'm gonna pour it down the sink because I've got the Holy Spirit at work inside of me and nobody had to tell me to stop because he gave me something better and I thirst no more. Holiness is about what happens on the inside. And if you think covering flesh up is going to stop men from lusting, you ain't a man. Nobody shouted amen on that one. (laughs) They think that they they think that their clothing is going to stop the attraction. Come on now. So, but then what will happen is if you're dressing a certain way to elicit men's attention, and the Holy Spirit, you're hosting him. And now on the inside of you, he starts to do a work. And you're like, wow, I have the eyes of my father on me. I have all the attention and affection I would ever need. I don't have to even dress like that no more because I used to dress like that to get their attention. And, but I did nothing worthy to get his attention. But I've got his attention. Oh, somebody, you see how holiness is the inner working that produces outward culture. Oh, I said I wasn't going to shout. I want to take you to Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, because this is the standard now. This is how you know the culture. What's the culture of hosting the Holy Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Come on, Sally Mae. Some of you are like, I haven't paid my student loan for 17 years. Come on, Biden. Come on through. Come on, some of y'all just flip flop between parties. Come on, who's gonna be my sugar daddy? Which one of you? Here's the thing, what is forbearance? Forbearance is I owe it. Legally, I should pay it, but I don't have to. I'm gonna delay the payment. So one of the ways you know that you are becoming holy is you actually have your own forbearance program. And you say, hey, I know you hurt me. I know you talk bad about me and you owe me an apology, but I will, f- oh, come on. I have for a forbearance program. You don't have to pay me the apology. I'll love you anyways. You don't have to say you're sorry. Hey, hey, forbearance. Do you guys understand forbearance now? And so when you're full of vengeance and bitterness, that's the opposite of holiness. Holiness says, no, I'm, it's forbearance. Even if you don't say you're sorry, I forgive you. Forbearance, kindness goodness, faithfulness. Let's talk about faithfulness. I wanna shout out somebody special at our Indiana campus. Her name is Sarah Warren. And uh, let's put our hands together for Sarah Warren. She leads our worship in Indiana, and she does it so well. She just recently had a kid. She, she went through childbirth, praise God. The next week, she was back in church. I heard my wife, Julie, and her in a meeting, and Julie said, you know, I wanna affirm you as a daughter of the house The fact that you gave birth and the next week you were in church shows faithfulness. And and she said, Cheryl Owens birthed me and brought me to church the next week. And now you're bringing your kid and it's a multi-generational thing. What does that mean? It just means when you're faithful, nobody has to invite you to church because you're faithful. And you don't come just for you. You come for the people in the pews and the seats next to you who need to see you there. You come to host you don't come to be hosted. You, you don't go to church to, you know, it's, you, you graduate where you're like, man, whether Pastor Mike preaches a good word or not, I'm out there winning souls and I'm here to host in this place and I'm here to, there's something different. And, and so there's this faithfulness that says, I'll be in the house of God because I, I because Paul said, as the, the coming of Christ draws nearer and nearer, actually you should meet more frequently. And so I'm at least going to be there every Sunday because faithfulness is what heaven is like. Can you imagine if you're like, hey, why is God's throne empty? Uh, He just didn't feel like it. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody now. God is faithful. I'm not leaving my post. I'm going to serve on the dream team every week. I'm gonna sit one service every week. I'm gonna join a connect group and I'll always be at my connect group. Why? Because I'm faithful. This is who I am. And where did I learn that? God, he never leaves his post. He's there. When I go to sleep, he's still praying for me. I'm becoming like him. I'm faithful like him. I'm consistent like him. Okay, don't be too convicted now. Everybody's looking at me like, just open the altar, please. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pick up the pace. Overflowing grace. Let's talk about overflowing grace. Overflowing grace. None of what I've told you so far is possible through you. That's the good news. In the world, they say, kick your own behind. Motivate yourself. Come on. Take pre-workout even when you're not working out. Put on this mode. You know, you you got people like that. Where are you going? The grocery store. You're like, what? Why are you taking pre-workout to go to the grocery store? Because I'm tired. You know, in, in the world, it's like, motivate yourself put this video on repeat you know and it's somebody's screaming at you you know come on you idiot you filthy animal and you're like yeah it feels so normal to be talked to like this (laughs) i'm trying to keep it 100 so you can i want i want god to invade your living room I want him to invade your bedroom. I want him in your car. I want him, I want you to host the Holy Spirit in overflowing grace. It's an attitude that attracts his presence. Now, you have his spirit in you at all times if you're a true believer. I mean, if you've accepted Christ as your savior. But when I talk about his presence, it's different, it's a different level. And so, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 should encourage you. It should encourage you. Don't beat yourself up. Let me read this to you. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Isn't that so encouraging? You're not faithful, but God will work on the inside of you and he'll say, I'm making you like me. I'm at work, I'm making you faithful, you can do that. And it's you don't have to have somebody berating you through a YouTube video. You don't need pre-workout, You you. it's the inner working, but you have to yield to it and say, Holy Spirit, I wanna yell at my wife. Give me the grace, overflowing grace to wash her with the word. That's my job as a man. I'm supposed to wash her with the word and God, give me the grace. I gotta figure out how to do this. Give me, let me go to the U Version Bible app and copy paste some scripture for this woman. Um, you know, the, the Lord will strike you and break your teeth. No, I mean, um, you know, but, but the husbands are supposed to wash their wives with the word, but we need grace to do that because we ain't gonna feel like doing it. We're gonna, you're you're like, I went to work, I paid the bills, that's my part, now I'm gonna go veg out here on the couch with some Miller Lite and the game. And the Lord's like, but I wanna work inside of you so you can do a little bit more than that, you can wash her with the word. Wives say, wives say, I'm so done believing that my husband's gonna transform into a man of God, but then this overflowing grace, Philippians chapter two, verse 13, God works on the inside of you and says, go have fun with your husband. Remember when you dated him, how you used to have fun? Go have fun. I know you're tired. Go have, see how it's like, even as a pastor, I pastor from Philippians chapter two, verse 13. What's the verse you know in Philippians? You know 413. If you know 413, but nobody ever teaches you 213, you're gonna be real frustrated. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How? How? I'm gonna tell you how, 213. For it is God who works in you. Oh, come on, did I just help somebody? How, it is God that works within you. Okay, here's the next one. The S for sanctified environment. Come on, give me my tool. Sanctified environment. Come on, it's about to get real interesting. This is how you host the Holy Ghost a sanctified environment. Now everybody's got, now all the Pentecostals got, got the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. (laughs) Okay? Everybody's got, you know, but but let me give you another weapon because I wish I could have given this weapon to them years ago because I'm discipling even the Pentecostals who already know it all and how to do it and how to do it better than me and all the other leaders at our church, right? I'm gonna give you a shovel. I'm gonna give you a shovel. Let me read you the weirdest scripture any pastor has ever read to you in a church service. Are you ready for this? Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 12 through 14. This is God talking. Are you ready for this? Designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. As part of your equipment, have something to dig with, and when you relieve yourself, y'all know what that means, right? Dig a hole and cover up your excrement. Praise God. You feel the anointing yet? <laughs> Verse 14, for the Lord your God moves. Now li- listen, pay attention to this. For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy so that he will not see among you any indece- anything indecent and turn away from you. Somebody turned to their neighbor and say, get a shovel. Come on, turn to the other person and tell them, get a shovel. Come on, I could hear it across Florida. Across Florida and Indiana, everybody, get a shovel. I think the people in Indiana, they came with a shovel. Come on, they're working people here on Long Island, we pay everybody else to fix our stuff. See how everybody's laughing? You just lost respect in Indiana. I'm just telling you. You're like, we do it ourselves here. So get a shovel. Let me talk about excrement. Excrement comes, do you all know what that is so I don't have to say it and bleep it out on the podcast? Okay, excrement is what you all make, me included, even the girls. Number two, And I know this is weird, but I'm about to help somebody because I had a revelation while I was studying for this sermon. I could tell my congregation for the rest of my tenure to not gossip, and you're still gonna gossip. I could tell you, don't complain, don't worry, and you're still gonna complain and worry. And I've struggled with that for all the time I've been your pastor, like, I keep telling them, don't be negative, don't complain, don't criticize, don't be full of worry and doubt. I keep preaching, I give them every revelation. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, son, you gotta give them a shovel, because they're gonna gossip, they're gonna complain, they're gonna worry, just like they're gonna, number two, whether you want to or not. Come on, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I did not choose to do this right now? (laughs) Somebody knows what I'm talking about, right? Life happens. (laughs) There you go. Come on, that was free. But when I read Deuteronomy 23, 12, I wanna give you a, a rich revelation. It says, designate a place outside the camp where you go relieve yourself, tell them to bring a shovel, for the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you. So in other words, the shovel is a weapon for spiritual warfare too, because when you learn how to bury some things that should not be in your house, when you, oh, come on, somebody. See, it's like every king of Israel sinned, but not all of them were called evil because some of them had a shovel. Oh, I wish somebody heard me getting ready to preach. See, Saul was called evil and David was not. David sinned, he sinned with Bathsheba. He literally killed Bathsheba's husband on the front lines of battle, had a baby out of wedlock. Some of you are like, by that standard, God, I could be king too. Do you hear what I'm saying? But every single time that David sinned, he was quick to repent. He had that shovel. He said, oh, man, I've done it again. I've got to dig this thing. I've got to bury it. I've got to designate where that sin goes. God, even in the Psalms, David says, God, renew a right spirit within me, God. Here I am coming before you again, God. God, I messed up again. I'm afraid again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm scared, God. I'm feeling it again, God. I was a man of God yesterday, but I'm a man of my own flesh desires today, God, and you read him being real. And I bet when he got to heaven, God didn't have to say, I didn't know you because he had a shovel. And he was saying, I messed up again, but I know what to do with my mess. See, here's the thing. It's not about being perfect. It's about having a shovel. (laughs) It's about knowing where to take the gossip. What if in the middle of a gossip session about your leaders, about somebody, about your boss, about some what if in the middle of it you caught yourself and was like, oh man, we just excremented in the living room. This is not the designated place. I should have took this to leaders. There's a designated place for that mess. See what I'm saying? What what if in the middle of you go to open up the browser, you go to open the tab on your phone again and then you realize you're hosting the Holy Spirit and if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, he has to watch the porn through your eyes too. Oh. Here's yeah, here's a here's an illustration. Like I it's one thing to make a mess. It's another thing to not have a shovel. This is repentance. This is how you host the Holy Spirit. Not by having it all figured out, not by being perfect, but but by saying, I got, Sanctified environments. The last one is T for teachable. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight says, for while bodily training is of some value, while lifting lifting weights is some value. Here you go. It says, for while lifting weights is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. In other words, hey, you eat right, you train, you take care of your body. And that's a great thing, but you're you know, the most fit person among us still dies just like the one that's not so there's value in it but the most value is godliness but i love this verse and no pastor ever really equipped many of you to understand how to be teachable what does being teachable mean first timothy chapter 4 verse or first timothy chapter 4 verse 8 says for while bodily training is some of value godliness is a value so what is it parallel it's taking working out physically and comparing it to godliness. That's, that's mind blowing. Let me explain. You first go into the gym and you can only lift five pounders and you're there for like 10, 10 minutes and all you wanna do is go home. But the more you train, now you lift heavier, you lift more and people begin to be impressed by your physique. The, it's saying in first Timothy, it's saying that godliness is is like training and so what happens is like maybe you had no patience but if you're teachable the holy spirit will train you and you will become known as a person of great patience and it will be funny to you because you know how you used to be because you're training but what happens when you train i love it when you're building muscle they always say lift to failure that's how you build muscle. You lift until you can't lift anymore. And so sometimes it's like, "God, I am going to be as patient as I can. I'm doing this to failure." Like, but God, that's where my patience ends, but I'm teachable. And then all of a sudden, you keep going through a development process. Maybe your problem is anger and you always speak too soon, but God will godliness will begin to work inside of you and you'll say, "Man, I'm learning restraint. I'm learning how to hold my tongue. I'm learning learning how to let the Lord fight my battles. I used to be bad at that, but I'm getting better at godliness because I'm training godliness. And what if the thing that we admired most about our leaders was not the drip that they wear on stage? What if it's not the size of their social media platform? What if it's the godliness that they trained into their life? What if you say, man, I want the godliness that they have because godliness is developed. It's something that comes through a process and you don't beat yourself up when you go to the gym. You don't tell yourself, oh, I'm such a failure. No, you lift to failure. You, you stay in there and you condition yourself. And then what begins to happen is you have something worth showing off. Look at how weak I was, but now I'm strong. I used to be weak in this area, but now I'm strong in this area. I wanna end by telling you a story of this precious woman. You know, she's been watching online and attending our church for some time. And she came to uh, meet me and the Indiana crew yesterday while I was in Indiana. And um, she told me this story. She said she was on her way to work. And have you guys ever played that game where you see how low the gas can go? And everybody ever tested it? You're like, oh, I know there's a couple gallons in there they ain't telling me about. They would never do me like that. Ever see how low it can go? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So she was playing the game. She was headed to work. And she ran out of gas. And she Like barely managed to get her car to the gas gas station, and she was frustrated, she was going to be late for work, and then she saw this woman, and this woman came up to her with a couple of dollars and said, hey, I'm stranded, I only have a couple of dollars, can I give you, you know, or can you give me a couple bucks so I can get enough gas to go get my car going, and immediately the Holy Spirit quickened this V1 woman and said, this is a divine appointment. So the woman said, no, you know what? I got my debit card, we'll go ahead and fill you up. And the woman just started weeping, just weeping. So then all of a sudden, this woman from our church said, Pastor Mike, I'm not good at praying for people. I, I barely pray myself and when I do, it's a few seconds and it's, it's, that's all I've got. And she said, but I wanted to challenge myself because I know that I've gotta lead people to Jesus. I can't let just you as the pastor do it. I've gotta share the good news. So all of a sudden she told this woman, she said, hey, do you know Jesus? And this woman's like, I kinda, I kinda, no, not really. And she said, well, I, I'm gonna be late for work, but if all this was just so I could tell you that Jesus died for you, that Jesus wants you to be saved, and you know, it's not about me giving you gas, it's about me giving you Jesus. And she said, can I just pray with you right now? And she said, I held that woman's hands, and I began to pray for her and lead her to Jesus, and she just wept more, even more. And that woman looked at me and she told me that story and she said, Pastor Mike, that was one of the most fulfilling moments of my entire life. It was not an eloquent prayer, but see what was happening was she was exercising godliness. She was showing the fruits of the spirit. She was hosting the Holy Spirit. Now how many of us, if our gas ran out, and we were headed to our job, and we barely made it. We knew we were going to be late. Would if we do the opposite of hosting the Holy Ghost, am I right? We'd be cussing mad, punching our steering wheel, blaming our spouse. We, you always know it's your spouse's fault, but blaming your kids. You know it was the kids if they would a lesson today. But see, what happens is God wants to will something through you, but you have to learn how to host the Holy Spirit. And it was such a great moment of satisfaction that she experienced because she didn't miss her moment. I wanna ask you, are you missing your moment because of doubt? Are you missing your moment because of unforgiveness? Are you missing your moment because of tiredness, fatigue, frustration? Or are you gonna host the Holy Spirit and have the most fulfilling moments of your life as you don't miss your moment? Church, who's going to make their mind up? They're not gonna miss their moment because they're gonna host the Holy Spirit. Would you stand to your feet with me? come on, hosting the Holy Spirit, hosting the Holy Spirit. There's a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was a pastor, a preacher, very prolific faith healer. They said of Smith Wigglesworth that there he once went to, um, let me see where this is, at, New Zealand. While he was in New Zealand, they brought all the most prominent preachers and pastors in the room with Smith Wigglesworth. They said, Smith Wigglesworth said, we're all here together, let's pray. And as they begin to pray, the conviction of God, the presence of God started becoming so potent, so powerful in that room that the men, these prominent preachers and pastors started weeping and they were like feeling the weight almost as if it was physically crushing their body. And one by one, each of them had to leave the room while Smith Wigglesworth was just still praying and praying and praying. Finally, it got all the way to the last guy And he was there and he was like, I can't hardly stay. It was like he was being suffocated by the presence of God as Smith Wigglesworth was just praying like he does daily. And finally, under the weight of God's presence, that last preacher had to leave. When it was all over, they said, Smith, what did we just encounter? And Smith Wigglesworth said, that is just a normal day's prayer for me. See, what happens is the more you host the Holy Spirit, you begin to shift atmospheres around you. Things begin to change. It's like people will know it. It'll become tangible. It's not the duration of your prayers, it's not the length of your prayers, it's not the eloquence of your prayers. I'm telling you, what it is is your holiness your personal holiness, your the overflowing grace that's in work inside of you. It's your sanctified environments that you just keep burying all the excrement with a shovel. And it's your teachable spirit. Those are the things, when those things come together and you begin to pray, I'm telling you, the Lord will manifest his presence in your life that even people who think they're pastors and preachers will be like, something changes when they begin to communicate with God through their mouth. Something is different, and they'll begin to experience experience God through you. If you have had a holy desire stir up inside of you, would you just put your hands like this? This is the posture of receiving. This is not try harder. This is surrender more. (laughs) You don't get better, you get more surrendered. Just surrender more. So in this moment, I want us to pray together as a church and what a special We're hosting the Holy Spirit in a hotel in Kissimmee, Florida, right now. We're hosting, and we're right there in that hotel. They're gonna get ready to pray for each other, and the altar's gonna open in in Florida, and then the altar's gonna open here on Long Island. It's gonna open, the digital altar is gonna open for our online family. People are gonna receive prayer here today, but we're hosting the Holy Spirit in Indiana right now. People are gonna receive healing, they're gonna receive freedom. But right now, before we take another step, as a church, I want us to host the Holy Spirit. Say these words with me if you want that. Say, Heavenly Father, here I am. You're my first love. I commit to hosting the Holy Spirit. I yield. Have your way. Have your way in my life. I will host your presence in my home, in my vehicles in my family and i thank you god that today is a new chapter in jesus name somebody shout amen come on let's sing it out loud let's just worship come on tell them